Go over to Philippians there. And the song couldn't go or be more appropriate for the message this morning. I tell you what, great is his faithfulness. Is that your testimony this morning? I hope so. Because I tell you what, great has his faithfulness been to me all these years. What a God we have. I want us to look in particular at just the first verse there. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. I've said, and you all know, and I know all you that have been members for a long time, you know, November is my favorite month. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. And uh, I find that gratefulness and rejoicing are kind of part and parcel to Thanksgiving. And I just kind of wanted to start out this, uh, this November, this first Sunday in November, because, you know, I, I just, like I said, I just really love Thanksgiving. And I, to me, I wish Thanksgiving just go all year long. <laughs> you know, of course, I'd weigh about 300 pounds now if it, <laughs> if it went all year long. But uh, I just love it. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I'm probably pretty much of a complainer. And so I'm preaching this message as much to me and, and uh, developing it and working on it. Uh, you know, I, you find that pastors and ministers become, we become as convicted as the people we're preaching to. And a lot of times when we preach, we're preaching things that we're having trouble with ourselves sometimes. And I complain or not. I come across a couple jokes. Now, I'm saying that because I'm throwing it out there. You know, I can't tell a joke very good at all. So I'm telling you beforehand. So out of pity, you can you can give me a little chuckle or something when I'm done. But the, these two I came across about complainers. And it says uh, uh, there was a fellow one time who went to get his driver's license renewed. And he got there, of course. And guess what? You know, one clerk on duty. And the line was a mile long, and it just inched and inched and inched. Took him an hour to finally get up to the clerk. And you know how you get up there and you're renewing your driver's license? You look in the camera, and they snap your picture. And so uh, the clerk did that and handed his license, new license to him, and he looked at the picture. And uh, I don't know if he just wanted to be uh, just uh, flipping or what, but he said... Uh, uh, he told, turned, told the clerk, says, I was standing in line so long, I ended up looking like I'm mad. And the clerk took the license back and looked at it. And, and she sat there and she looked at it a little bit more and looked up at him and finally said, it's okay. That's exactly how you're going to look when an officer pulls you over for a traffic violation. <laughs> There's not going to be a mistake. People will complain about anything. Then, a, then there was another one about a fellow that joined a monastery. Uh, this has been a couple centuries ago. And then this monastery, uh, part of their ritual was that they were only allowed to say two words every ten years. So they took the novice in at the end of his first Ten years, trying to think of what he was going to say, the two words he's going to use. And, of course, they had him gathered and, and, the, and the priest that was over it. And he came to him and he said, you know, Brother So-and-so, what's your two words to say? And he said, 
bad food. Well, another 10 years went by, and they were gathered together and thing, and, 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 and again, I said, brother, says, what two words do you want to say? And he got up and said, hard bed. Well, on his 30th anniversary, this same monk got up, going to say his 10 words, or his two words, and he said these, I quit. And the man over the order turned and said, well, you might as well for the last 30 years, 30 years all you have done is complained. Well, you can laugh. <laughs> all right. Please, I'm terrible, I'm terrible at town jokes. But go on. I'm, I'm a complain. I find I'm a complainer too. And it's something that we have to watch. And I hope and pray God helps me to learn a little bit more how to rejoice and be a blessing instead of complaining all the time. He says here in Philippians 3, 1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice. Over in 4, chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. I want to talk to you first about rejoicing in hope. Now he says that hope is based in the Lord. Rejoicing is the fact that you're going to rejoice because of the fact that you're going to live forever. Amen? When we stop and think about it, you know, I, I, there's been many times that I, I've, I've managed to step back from even all my complaining and looked at other people, most of them, I, and knowing them, and know them in their lost condition, and how dreadful living must be without any hope. And we find we need to rejoice in the hope that we have. Amen? This is one of the reasons it's so sad for the sinner. You stop and think about it. And, and notice people. If all their life, or the, the, the bulk of their life, is just living from day to day, going to work, going home, going to bed, getting back up, maybe a few little family things here or there, or something with their buddies or whatever, or their girlfriends, uh, friends that they have. If that's all, if all that they have is just what is temporal, you know, my goodness, I can understand why we have all the drugs and drinking and the suicide and everything else. It's hard to imagine somebody who does not have any hope. But we have hope. We, we can live a life of hope. Over in 1 Peter chapter 1, 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Notice there, it, it gives us purpose. Amen? I've said many times, we know the end, don't we? And I tell you what, there is, there is great hope in knowing the end of your story. Amen? I have great hope in knowing the end of my story, and I can rejoice in that. Too much time, we spend too much time not, not thinking about that and realizing that and keeping that before ourselves, so we can, rather than complain, 
be a blessing to others and be a positive blessing to others. We have a lively hope, a purifying hope, a personal hope. We have that, and people the world does not have it. Why do you think so many people, they become, they, they, they take a track towards a certain career, and they really, oh, they love doing it, and they really think that is going to make them happy, but yet in the solitude, in their solitude, we find that they're miserable. Amen? People think that if they make so much money and gather so much wealth that it's going to, it's going to make them happy and they get there, whether it's the wealth or the fame or whatever it might be, and it's not there. Now, those are the people that we have put before us all the time, that this is what life's all about. They're happy, you know. They've achieved in life. But I guarantee you when they get behind doors... And I can guarantee you their life is full of trials, full of tribulations. And you find that they really have no hope. How many of you read testimonies of people or people, they, you know, you get the story on the life of some famous people. And the conclusion of it is they're miserable. They get behind the closed doors and they say, is this all it is? Is this all there is? They what? They have no hope. They have no ability to rejoice. Now they might have pleasurable moments and they may have, they may have a, a, a happiness to an extent for the moment. But listen, we all live with the understanding that this life's only so long. And if this is all there is, listen, if this is all there is, there's not much joy there, is there? Not much at all. It says we have a lively hope because, he says, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because Christ rose from the grave, we have hope. Because Christ lives, we find that we're lived. This is not the end. I cannot fathom how people can believe in atheism and evolution and all these things. You're just, a, you're just another animal and when you die, that's it. No hope, isn't it? Christian, rejoice. Amen. I tell you, probably if we would rejoice a little bit more in, in, in the hope, in, in the hope that we have, we find that we might be able to be a little bit more beneficial to those around us because at some point they would start asking, well, you know, why are you so happy? Why do you have so much joy? And sometimes I think, well, maybe that's been the problem in my life. I've gone around with a long face looking and pointing out all the things in life that, well, I tell you what, if you look, you can find them, amen? Amen, you can sure find them. But maybe if I went around rising above it and rejoicing in spite of it, which we are able to, people might start asking, says, man, I want what they will have. Look at that. That poor fellow's got, he's got holes in his pants. 
Why should he be rejoicing? Look at that. He's over there eating a bologna sandwich. Why should he be rejoicing? Why should she be rejoicing? Look at that. Poor thing. All them children, you know, <laughs> working her working her fingers down to the bone. You know, my goodness, why is she rejoicing? Huh? Because she has hope. Man, a lively hope. A purifying hope. The Bible tells us if we have that hope and the rejoicing that accompanies, it becomes purifying even to our lives. Over in John, 1 John 3, 3, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he, Jesus Christ, is pure. Probably a lot of times the, the, the reason we find ourselves falling into sin is because we're looking at all the things around us that are just temporary anymore and put, placing too much emphasis and importance upon them and we're doing nothing but discouraging our hearts. And I tell you what, when discouragement comes, people, then there's the probability of failing, failing the Lord. You know, I've not seen, I, don't, I look back now, and I really can't remember, I really can't remember uh, somebody that I remember uh, falling into sin who was always rejoicing. Can't remember it, can't think of it a lot of hand. But I can remember a whole lot of people, a whole lot of Christians who became discouraged and before you know it, they're failing the Lord. Amen? What's the first thing usually a Christian does when they get all discouraged? It should be the first thing, but what is usually? Well, their Bible stays laying closed on the end table or desk or something else. Amen? They quit talking to God, or if they are talking to God, guess what? We're complaining to them. Uh, not this, Lord. You know, why is this happening to me? Uh, and before you know it, we find we're failing the Lord. But we have a hope. Paul here says rejoice in hope. You know, somebody, we find it's purifying too in the fact that, you know, somebody came running back through the back doors there and banged them open and said, fire, fire, fire. You're going to have one or two choices that you're going to do, aren't you? You're going to see there. I don't know if I can believe him. I'm not going to. I'm just saying here. Are you going to jump up and ran out the door? Amen. It all has to do with believing. Do we believe we have that hope in Jesus Christ? People, we should. We should be rejoicing in it. Amen. Should be rejoicing in it at all times. We find that it's a personal, it's, not, it's a personal hope too. I'm so glad for Galatians 2.20. You know, I don't know about you, but I get tired of what you call the collective, <laughs> okay? Being put in this group or this group and only being dealt with or uh, uh, as, as a group or things like that. You know, it's really discouraging, you know, it, it could be discouraging a job, and we can have a lot of things to complain about. I know I do. Now, it's nice to hear things. 
For God shall love the world, I know, collectively, that he gave his only begotten son. Okay, that's all, I am part of that. But how special it is when it deals with you individually. Amen? You can work for a place. You can work your fingers to the bone, right? And you find that the boss can get together and say, Why are you all doing a great job? And you can sit back there like, really? <laughs> so this person here is constantly out on a smoke break, <laughs> you know, whatever. But what happens when the boss gets out there and says, hey, Jack Tackett, thank you. You have done a great job. It's so much better, isn't it? When you're picked out as an individual. That's why I like Galatians 2.20. Because it gets down personal and individual. Who died and gave himself, Paul says, for me. For me. God talks to a lot, talks to all of us collectively. And basically, that's just the nature of the Bible. But I tell you what, when Christ was on this earth, he spoke to individuals. Amen. He met the needs of individuals. His work met the needs collectively for the whole world. Therefore, the receiving, if they will. But listen, my God is a God that deals individually and personally. When I was a young boy, His Spirit spoke to me, impressed upon me, enlightened my mind of the truth of the gospel. Being able to understand it in my little 11-year-old mind And individually, I didn't become, when I received Jesus Christ, I didn't become the children of God. I became a child of God. Man, how we can, how we should be able to rejoice. And again, looking at it, not only rejoice in hope that we have, but people rejoice in the home that we're promised. Rejoice in the fact that you're going to live eternally, but you're going to do it in heaven. Amen? My goodness. First Peter again in 4 says, To an inheritance, speaking about that, that, uh, uh, that rejoicing, rejoicing in hope, says, To an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, how do how do we how is it possible? We could get this home. We certainly didn't purchase it, did it? Did we? And the Bible says it's something that we inherit. It's not actually something that we work for. I remember reading a testimony years ago of a young pastor in Columbia, South Carolina, and the man was the congregation that he pastored was very small. And he loved his people, and they loved him. And one of the few families was a, was a couple who had no children, 
uh, and and we find that, and they also were very wealthy. And so when they both died, they left him and his family their large home. You think, wow, he didn't work for it. No, no, it was just given to them. They inherited it. They wrote it out in their will. Our pastor is to get our home. Wasn't that amazing? Because of the goodness of the people, these particular people's heart, they inherited the beautiful home. They never worked for it one day, but because someone else, they inherited it. This is the way, this is what Peter's talking about there in chapter 1. We have an inheritance. An inheritance. An inheritance comes from somebody else that did all the work. Amen? In chapter 4 of Peter, 1 Peter, verse 13, says, But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. You ever think about the word rejoice? It has the word joy in it, doesn't it? So you, that means you, this continual rehashing of joy, isn't it? Come on, we need to start thinking on that. You want something to lead us and to, to encourage us and a grateful heart and a heart of thanksgiving? Rejoice. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Again, there in 1 Peter 1, 4, it says, To an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away. We know all the, the Scripture concerning uh, this new home that we're going to have. Revelation, especially 21 and 22, talks about this heaven. You know, and the people sing about a little cabin in the corner of glory. I'm sorry, you're not going to that. My God says it's going to be a mansion in the New Jerusalem. I can't imagine what the New Jerusalem is going to look like. <laughs> you know, all I can do is read what it says there in Revelation. But my, how beautiful it is. Talking to the teens this morning, and we were talking about, we glanced on witness, and I said, do you remember what, what, uh, uh, what blessing God gives to those? He, he says, turn many to righteousness. He says they'll shine as the stars in the heaven forever. You know, I don't. He said, what does that mean? I said, man, I don't know. But I know a star is awful glorious. And he says, I'm going to shine as one if I do my best to turn many to righteousness. Amen. I don't know what, what's it, what's it mean in heaven? You know, what, what mansion? I, I don't know. But I know this, it must be wonderful. What, what, what we, rejoicing, what capacity for rejoicing that we have, amen? We have such great capacity. We should rejoice in our hope, rejoice in the home. That, John 14, 1 through 3, how much more beautiful can you can you think to describe what God is preparing for us? And it says rejoice in it. You know, we have so much opportunity, and it's all, 
It's all in the Lord. It all hinges on that truth that we know the end of the story, don't we? And so we find we ought to rejoice in our help too. The help that He gives. Rejoice in the fact that your eternal life is in heaven and that's all dependent upon His power alone. Again, the idea that if you, we know the end of the story, if we know what our hope is, really how can circumstances control our lives? Amen? Why should circumstances, any circumstances, the bad as well as the good, control our lives when it cannot control the hope that we have in the Lord? Amen? My goodness. We know it's the strength. It doesn't take our strength to be saved. It took His strength to save us. It doesn't take our strength to live the Christian life. He gives us His strength to live it. And He's promised that He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's promised that He'll always be there to help and strengthen it if we just seek Him. Amen. And submit those lies. Why should circumstances, why do we complain? I complain because of circumstances. You know, I may not like the circumstances at home. I may not always like the circumstances at church. I may not always like the circumstances at home. But why should they affect us? Amen? When we don't like those, we, we start picking and looking for problems, and we start talking about them and, and emphasizing them and everything else. Amen? Rejoice. Not only do we have the hope of heaven in, but we have the hope of God's help to every bit of it. We find we're kept by that power. Amen. You just stop and think about it. the word kept. Looking up in, uh, uh, this is just a, an uh, old pastor and theologian many times. He has a volume of works. It's called Weist, uh Word Pictures in the New Testament. And talking about this word kept, it has that connotation of uh, to mean being a watcher in advance to mount guard as a sin, sentinel, uh, uh, to him in to protect as with a garrison. Do you realize when you accepted Christ as your Savior that you have the power of God and His, His protection and security around you? He's there to be our help, keeping us. Oh, I love those words that deal with the, the, uh, the scope of our security and salvation. Being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Woo! Man. We need to put our minds a little bit more 
upon the wonderful and the great things that God has done for us in the Lord. Hope, a new home in eternity, and help through every bit of it. The circumstances of life shouldn't. Listen, people, complaining can really do a job on your testimony. I'm, I'm really coming down to this conclusion. We need to be more positive about the Lord. Amen? Quit worrying about things. This is true of me, I know. There's so much good I could talk about, but so many times I choose to complain. Complaining not only makes the life of the complainer miserable, but it also makes the life of all those around you who has to listen to it miserable. <clears throat> there was a young lady. This has been a couple, I don't know, a couple of centuries ago. When, when did Bliss live? When did Philip, you remember Leslie, Philip Bliss, he wrote so many, he, he had so much to do with so many hymns in her songbook. But it was back during uh, uh, Bliss's life. Her name was Mary Bachelor, uh, and she was that kind of chronic complainer. She was a minister's daughter, but she was also a housekeeper and helper to her brother, who was also a minister. But she complained all the time. Day after day, she said she unloaded her troubles on him in a complaining manner. And one evening, she was looking out the window at the trees, and uh, they were talking together. And all of a sudden, she realized that she was making her life miserable and his life miserable also, and she needed to just do something about it. And she said to herself as she was looking out the window, and I guess the Holy Spirit just struck on her, but she pinned down... I'm like those trees outside the window to my brother. I'm always casting shadows. And she said to herself, Why don't I bury my sorrows by leaving them with Jesus? And it said she went to her room and she said she found relief in her tears. And after that, she sat down at her writing table and wrote these lines. Go bury your sorrow. The world has its share. Go bury it deeply. Go hide it with care. Go think of it calmly. When curtained by night, go tell it to Jesus, and all will be right. Later on, when she had become a much happier Christian, said she showed these verses to her brother, and it was around Thanksgiving time, and so he had them printed. He got them printed in the local newspaper. And guess what? A well-known songwriter by the name of Philip Bliss saw them and set them to music. In your songbook, probably half the book, Mr. Bliss had something to do with them. Complaining. Listen, we have more reasons to rejoice than to complain. Amen? If we would just yield to all kinds, if we, if we do yield to all kinds of complaining, and believe me, people, it can destroy our testimony and bring misery to ourselves and others. 
how much better it is to remain true to the Lord Jesus Christ and live a life of rejoicing. Amen? Let's all try a little harder. I know I'm going to try a little harder. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Won't you do the same? Let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed.